comes the offering. Ah, whether you take it up at home, I didn't really even remember. So uh, isn't it great to be in a church that has so much money, doesn't matter if you take it up offering or not. Fantastic. <laughs> hey, uh, it's been a great um, privilege. I've had a great time since we arrived here on Friday night with uh, James and Michelle. So thank you so much for looking after us. And uh, your hospitality and your warmth is always very much appreciated. I don't know how many of you here tonight have ever been a little disappointed in life. I don't know how many of you here tonight have ever prayed, hoped, believed, wished, uh, whatever, for something to happen, and it didn't happen. And you wound up disappointed. You wound up despondent. And I'm not going to cope. I'm not going to speak tonight on how to cope with disappointment. I'm going to speak on, as I shared this morning, uh, how to not have to deal with that again. Because I'm going to tell you how to get what you want. And you might think that sounds like a rather large phrase. Like, how do you do that? How do you really tell somebody how they can get everything they want? And so what I'm going to ask you to do is just suspend your judgment, put your rocks on the ground for the next 35 minutes, and, uh, and let's see whether or not we can land this. Uh, I'm just going to ask you to pay me the privilege of your attention Lean into what I've come to say because we've got some material to cover. Don't worry about that. We've got a lot of ideas to get through to land this, but I believe that we can, and so I'm just going to ask you to work with me. The first thing we have to answer, this is, this, this is, this is the big one, and that is this. If I'm going to tell you how to get what you want, you need to answer the question, what is it that I really want? I, I don't mean I don't mean just not, no no not what I want but what I really really want. And the younger you are, the more options there is. You know, the, the the greater the possibilities. You probably want more than those of us who are a little bit older. But the truth is, every season we go through, there are different things that draw our attention, different opportunities, different things that we want. This is a really really tricky question, and it's a lot more difficult than you first might think. Um, I haven't surveyed you all, but I, all know, but I do know what you all want. Uh, I, you all want your own way. That's what you want. <laughs> you want your own way, and when do you want it? Exactly. <laughs> I want my way, and I want it now. Most of you, when I ask you what is it that you want, probably thought of a, an object, a thing, a position, a person or something like that. You probably didn't think of it in terms of, I want my own way, but I know this about you. I know last time you got a little bit huffy, you got a little bit, you know, angst. You didn't get your own way, did you? And you didn't think it was right. And so you sort of cut yourself off from whoever or whatever those things were or those people were that weren't giving you your own way. But tell me if you have not experienced this where you used your intuition or you used your large personality or you used your smart, quick mouth or you used something that you have to manipulate circumstances to get what you wanted. Or maybe it was just a pure legitimate thing. You know, you used your finances or you, you used your manners to get what you wanted only to find out once you got it, it wasn't what you wanted at all. Here's a shocking statement. Okay, this is, I've got to get this out there. This is shocking, but it's true. If you always do 
what you want to do, you'll end up where you don't want to be. I'm going to say that again. If you always do what you want to do, in other words, you always get your own way. If you always get your own way, you're going to end up where you don't want to be. Now, if you want to argue with me about that, may I present as Exhibit A, the chairman of AMP. Some of you get that. <laughs> oh, if you're not so convinced, may I bring in Exhibit B, the mayor of Ipswich. <laughs> oh, may I bring in Malcolm Turnbull. I can go on and on and on about people who manipulated to get what they wanted only to find out once they got it, it wasn't what they wanted at all. That's a truism. If you always get what you want, you'll end up where you don't want to be. And you can look at movie stars and rich people who can get whatever they want and inevitably they find themselves in a place where they don't want to be. But you and I have had the same experience, haven't we? How many of you in this room have maybe, I don't know, you bought something online, you know, you bought a pair of jeans or a dress or whatever it is, you know, you bought online and, and you're waiting for it to come to the door and one day the doorbell rang and you run out and there was the box and it's kind of like Christmas, you know, you know what's in it, but it's all oh, open the box and you tear the box open and there it is, you know, this pair of jeans that you've been just waiting to turn up, they're here or the dress or whatever it is, it's here and you try it on and you look in the mirror. <laughs> Not so much. <laughs> I thought this was what I wanted, and now I got it. I don't know if this is really what I want. And so that's why they have returns, right? <laughs> but it's not always just a pair of jeans or a dress. Maybe someone in this room you can identify with it. Maybe you've, you wanted the car, and you went after that car, and you borrowed the money for the car. You bought the car. And now 12 months later, you're stuck with the repayments of this stupid car. And this car that you dreamed about, this, this car that you, that you saved for, this car that filled your heart and mind. Now the only thing that fills your heart is, how can I get rid of it, but I owe more on it than it's worth? I'm stuck with this hunk of junk. And what I thought I wanted, I don't really want at all. Maybe it wasn't a car. <laughs> Maybe it was a job. Maybe you prayed for a job and you searched the paper or you searched online or you went wherever and someone told you about a job. You're like, oh, this is great. I'm going to get this job. Dear God, please give me this job. Oh, pastor, pray for me. I'm going to get this job. And you got the job and you've been in the job now for 12 months and you think, oh God, how can I get out of this job? <laughs> God, get me out of this place. I can't stand the job. And, and you got what you wanted only to find out once you got it, it really wasn't what you wanted at all. I don't want to get into too many people's faces here, but what the heck? Maybe you saw her and you thought, there is my dream girl. You know where this is going, don't you? <laughs> And you pursued her and you wooed her and you put on cologne and you sat by the phone for her, you know. <laughs> you, uh, you went out and you bought yourself a new wardrobe and uh, you learned a whole bunch of new manners and you went and got your hair cut or you, you can, you know, do the reverse, ladies. You went and got your hair done and you put on the makeup and you got the nice dress and you thought, he's going to be impressed and he was impressed. And you, 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 you scored, I mean, you, you, you captured his heart, which was just what you thought you wanted at the time. And now you've got him. Or well, now you've got her. And you're thinking, 
oh boy, this was the biggest mistake of my life. I got what I thought I wanted only to realise this ain't what I want at all. It's out there. It's a thing. And here is the issue. And this is what you have to understand, folks. This is powerful. What you want naturally is in conflict with what you want ultimately. What you want naturally is so often in conflict with what you want ultimately. A review of society will validate this proposition. Never before have we been so affluent. Never before have we been able to get what we want. And yet never before have we been so empty. Because what we want naturally, which I'm going to define for our purpose tonight as our appetites, is often almost always at war with what we want ultimately, what I'm going to define as our values. You want to write that down because that little phrase there could change your life. Because most people's appetites eat their values until they're on their deathbed and they look back at their life. Because we are so motivated by our appetites, we have no idea what our values are. See, that the problem is, I, I talk about our values. And many of I said before, you know, you could tell me what you want. You thought about what you want, not what you really, really want. I should have said, tell me what you want, what you really, really want. Oh, tell me what I want, what I really, really want. Because <laughs> it's not just what you want, it's what you really, really want. <laughs> right? Because what you want is your, is your appetites, but what you really, really want deep down inside is something that you value. But here's, here's the problem. Here's the problem, and this is the issue we've got in society, is that who helps me find out what my values are? I don't know what my values are. I don't know what I value. Now, what happens is you go to the movies from time to time and, and really slick and powerful and intelligent communicators put an idea up on the movie screen that causes a tear to come from the side of your eye. And you think, what is going on here? This is all make-believe. I know it's make-believe, but it's captivated my emotions. What they've done is they've reached down into your heart and they've touched the value. And for so many people in society, that's a weird experience. That's why they go to the movies and they can cry. Because, because the communicators understand what it is that people really, really want. And that is what they value. And so they go deep into your heart and they portray a value on the screen that you know is what life's all about. And it affects you in such a way that tears form on the side of your eyes. Imagine with me, I'm going to help you here. Imagine with me that we go to a funeral. We turn up at the church just like this. And you turn up and there's cars parked, you know, even on the front grass. But it's a funeral. What do you do? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Get off that. You can't say that. It's a funeral. <laughs> and, uh, and there's cars everywhere, you know. And the place is packed and there's no blue anywhere. There's people standing in the aisles. There's people, you know, out, out the door. And, and you sort of come in a bit late. You're in your best suit or your best dress or whatever. And, and you turn up and to your horror, something's going on, which you don't really like, but you've got to play along because you're at a funeral and you just got to do what everyone's doing, right? There's, it's an, one of those open casket funerals. And there's an open casket here at the front. And everyone's filing in down here and filing out 
back down and back to their seat and, and you just oh, get in the line and you come down and, and when you get up to the open casket here, you look in into your shock, horror and absolute dismay. When you look into the casket, you see you and you realise, oh, I'm at my own funeral. How many know when we get up and we give the testimonies and people get up and give the tributes, all of a sudden you are dialed in like no other funeral you've ever been to before. Because your children are going to come up and say stuff about you. Your friends and family are going to come up and say stuff about you. And what are they going to say? What are going to be the things that characterise, that, that are, that are the, um, the legacy of your life? What do you want them to say? I'm going to suggest you go home and do the exercise. Because what you think they say, you might just find are the very things that you value. Because it's so funny how when you talk to people who are on their deathbeds, how they start to really understand what actually matters in life. What really is of value. But who helps you with that? Your friends don't talk about values, do they? They talk about the football. They talk about the weather. They talk about one another. <laughs> they talk about what they're going to do. They talk about the latest iPhone or the latest whatever. They talk about upgrades and experiences, but they don't talk about values. Who talks about values? Who clarifies for me what it is that I really, really want? How do I know? You go to school and school's all about what you're going to do. It's not, what, it's not about who you're going to become. And so they'll teach you skills and they'll teach you ideas that are going to help you do what it is you want to do. But who helps you become who you want to become? Who clarifies for you what your values are? I wonder how many people in this room, when I said, I'm going to tell you how to get what you want, what you really, really want, clearly understood the values that that represented. Probably nobody is my bet. Probably nobody. And that is a unfortunate commentary on society. Because our values are not front and centre in our minds. They're off there to the side somewhere. And we're focused on upgrades and we're focused on experiences. We're not focused on what really matters. You live one season of life and you go on to another and every season has something of value attached to it. If you're a father here tonight, let me tell you what you value. If you've got little ones here tonight, I'll tell you what you value. You're going to value an adult relationship with that child. I was talking to your pastor this afternoon about, you know, bringing up our kids. And our kids are all sort of a little bit older now. And, and my kids have all left home. And I parented them with the end in mind. And the objective was not that they would behave. The objective was not that they would be smart the objective was when they would leave home, they'd want to still hang out with us when they didn't have to. The objective was, my, this, this was, this was my objective, that I would have their respect and their love as an adult. And I can tell you this, no thing or no fling was worth the potential compromise of that relationship because that's what I value. That's what I want. I want my kids getting up here talking about me, you know, at, at my funeral and, and, and saying what was really, really on their heart 
about me. But nobody helps me. Nobody clarifies it really for me. Our culture is in direct opposition to it. Our culture has buttresses against it. Our culture is all about two things, upgrades and experiences. Right? I've got to upgrade the mobile phone, haven't you, right? I've got to upgrade the kitchen. I've got to upgrade the wardrobe. I've got to upgrade the face. I've got to upgrade the spouse. I've got to upgrade the car. I've got to upgrade the house. I want to have a different experience. I want to visit Europe. I want to visit America. I want to visit Africa. I want to go there. I want to have that experience. I want to have that upgrade. It's all about upgrades and experiences. And we talk about upgrades and experiences. And if you ever watch anybody win money on television or on radio and they say, what are you going to do with that money? They will answer upgrades and experiences. Mark my words. Well, I'm going to, you know, upgrade the bathroom. Or we're going to go and have a family holiday in Europe or whatever. They will answer upgrades and experiences because that's all they know. And when I asked you, what is it that you want? You thought upgrades and experiences because you thought upgrades and experiences are what I want, but they're not what you want because upgrades and experiences will leave you hollow. Upgrades and experiences will not answer the cry of your heart. I don't want my kids standing at my funeral saying, oh, my dad, he was great. He always drove the latest model Mercedes. (laughs) Oh, my mum. She was wrinkle-free, such a wonderful woman (laughs) that had no grey hair whatsoever. That's not what my wife really wants to hear. My mum could fit into a size 12 dress into her six. That's not what what they're going to say. Those things are upgrades and experiences. And yet people today are hocking their houses for upgrades and experiences, thinking that if I could get this tucked and that nipped and that changed and that done and that this, that would make me happy. We have been sold a pup. We have been told a lie that an upgrade and an experience is what we want. But I can absolutely assure you, nobody in this room wants their child to stand on the platform of their funeral and discuss their upgrades and experiences. My dad always got the latest model iPhone. (laughs) He was always first in line when the the latest television was being released and he got the 4K television within six months. They're not going to say that because that stuff doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What matters is what you value. Now, Paul gave us a real handle on this. And you would have heard this scripture if you've come to church, you know, for over the last uh, 12 months or more. You've heard this scripture, but maybe you've never really heard it in the light of what we're talking about tonight. It's Romans 12 verse 1 and verse 2. We're going to study it, and that's where we're going to find the answer to the question, how to get what you want, all right? So we're going to delve deep into Romans 12 and verse 1 in the light of what I've just said. Paul says this. Paul says, therefore... So you're sitting there and you say, well, catch me up. Therefore, that means as a result of everything I've just said, right? Therefore is a joining together of two ideas. Because I've said this, therefore now that. So 12.1 starts with the word therefore. So what's he talking about? You have to go and read chapter 11, which we're not going to do tonight, but I'll just give you a brief summary. Basically, because of the, the, the mercy, the grace, 
the, the, uh, the crucifixion and the resurrection because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. He summarizes it actually in the next few words. He says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. Now that should grab you by the collar right there because uh, we think in view of God's judgment, I better do the right thing. In view of the fact that God's gonna punish me, I better be careful how I behave because I don't want to step out of line. I don't don't want to miss out. I don't want to do the wrong thing. But that's not what he's saying. He's saying, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's incredible love for us, in in, uh, view of God's incredible mercy, he says this, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. What's he talking about there? He's saying this. He's saying, because God loves you, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. It's just a, 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 an old English way of saying, behave a certain way. Your body is where you behave. So what he's saying there is because God loves you, offer your bodies or behave as a living sacrifice. Let me, let me paraphrase it and make it even clearer for you. Because God loves you, do what he wants. That's what he's saying. Not because he's going to get you, Not because he's threatening you, but because of this omniscient, all-knowing, all-loving God has so much desire to bless you, has so much desire to to see you prosper, it, it, it makes sense. Do what he says. Now, for some of you, right, this is your response to that. Hmm, that's too much of a blank check. I'm happy to do what God asks, provided I think it's reasonable. <laughs> I'll do what God wants, but I'll, firstly, I'll put it through the prism of my own judgment. And I understand that. I, I, I get that because that might seem to some a little bit too much um, of a blank check. And I think, I think he's, he's writing this down and he's going, you know, I, I think I understand that. Uh, he, he, he says after that, um, I, I therefore, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Now, that true and proper worship, those two words come from one Greek word that we could translate as the word logical. So again, what he's saying is, because God loves you, do what he wants you to do. It's the logical thing to do. It makes sense. If the all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving God has got an incredible future for you, the smart thing for you to do is to do what God wants you to do. And what you say, probably, is, well, what does he want from me? And the answer is nothing. God wants nothing from you. I've got three daughters. They ring me up, or, you know, they ask their mother. Uh, and I say, is Father's Day coming up? What does dad want? Answer, Nothing. I honestly want nothing from my kids for, for Father's Day next week. Now, they'll get me something, and I'll pretend I like it, you know. Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, great. Just what I wanted, you know. But the truth is, anything my kids can afford that I want, I already have. I'm not saying there's not things that, I, you know, I don't have that I want, but my kids can't afford it. Let me assure you of that. Uh, they're at a different stage of life than I'm at. Oh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a middle-aged you know, a uh, white man living in the most affluent country on the world, in the world, you know. Um, if my kids, if there's something my kids think they can get me that I want, I already have it. There is nothing that my kids can give me that I want. Uh, it's his birthday. 
coming up the next month. Dad, I'll say, Mum, what does Dad want for his birthday? Ah, guess what? Nothing. I make stuff up just to keep him happy, you know. My, my wife will come to say, you know, Alicia wants to know what you want for your birthday. And I'll, and I'll think, oh, gosh, what do I want? Um, underpants and socks. I don't you know. I'll make something up because uh, there's, there's literally nothing that I want that my kids can afford. Let me just put that on the end there, that my kids can afford. And so I want nothing from my children. Absolutely. I want everything for them. I want health for them. I want prosperity for them. I want blessing for them. Absolutely. I want to help my kids, and we do help them as much as we possibly can, to get into houses and to get into cars and to get ahead and do what, because I love my children and I'm evil if you know what I'm saying, compared to God. And you sit there and you say, well, do what God wants. What does He want? The answer is He wants nothing from you. He wants everything for you. That's what Paul's saying. If you only knew how much God wants for you, He wants nothing from you, it makes logical sense. It's in your best interest. It's what a smart guy would do to do what God wants you to do, but he, he realizes as he's saying this, hmm, if they focus on their behavior, they're never going to do it. So he takes a slightly different tact to help us do what verse one says. Because he knows, okay, I've just told them, God, this is what they heard. What they heard was, God wants nothing from them. He wants everything for them. Therefore, it's in their own best interest. It's smart if they do what he's asking them to do. And so what he would have realized right then, and what we have to realize right now, is that focusing on their behavior was never going to work. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to do the right thing. And you do the wrong thing. Now, what he has to do, what we have to do, and what he's saying is that they've got to focus on the way they think. So he says this, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. Now the patterns of this world, there's, you, know, you know there's a pattern of this jacket. There's a pattern of the world. And the pattern of this world is the way we think, the way we respond, the way we live. And it conforms us. We are all every day being conformed into a pattern. And the pattern is pretty much, as I've already explained, upgrades and experiences. That's the pattern of this world. That's when you were, as a child growing up, you probably dreamed of upgrades and experiences, not what was going to matter at the end of your life, not values. And he's saying, don't be conformed to this, but be transformed. How? By behaving right? No. By thinking right. By the renewing of your Mind that would transform metamorphosis in the Greek as a butterfly goes into a cocoon, goes through, a, I should say, a caterpillar goes to a cocoon, goes through a process and comes out a butterfly, a completely different type of being, a different type of creature. There's a process that if we engage in, we will be transformed. Something is going to happen. Don't focus on the behavior. Focus on the way you think. What Paul is saying is this, that if you view marriage, if you view sex, if you view money the way God views marriage, sex, and money, you'll see it from God's perspective. You're more inclined to do it the way God would have you do it. Right? So rather than just trying to, okay, you know, I think the way the rest of the world thinks, but I'm trying to behave as a Christian. How many? That's a tough gig right there. 
So you've got to change the way that you think. So the reason why some people think church is so frustrating is because religion just says, do as you're told and ask no questions. Just do as you're told. But how many of you ever, you know, and some of you are a little bit older, you've been around a while, like myself, remember going on a youth camp, 15, 16 years of age, you know, and the preacher preaching a hellfire type message and, you know, commit yourself to Jesus. And you went, yeah, I'm going to commit myself to Jesus. And you went out and burned all your, all your back, back in the days, we burned all our, you know, Led Zeppelin records or whatever, you know. We give ourselves totally to Jesus. And, and, and yes, I'm going to do the, the righteous thing. And, and then, then it's two weeks later, thinking, oh, but that looks so much fun. <laughs> oh, man, maybe I can download those tracks nowadays because <laughs> I burnt my silly records back in the 80s. And, and we, we focused on behavior and not on thinking. And I can assure you this, New Testament imperatives, apart from New Testament thinking, results in short-term obedience and long-term frustration. I'll say it again. Did you pick that up? New Testament imperatives, apart from New Testament thinking, relates in short-term obedience. Yes, God, I'll do whatever you want. But long-term frustration. Oh, boy. This Christian thing, it's, it's so tough. And you can sit back in church and think, well, I'm going to try to be a Christian. I'm going to try to be good. Oh, I just can't. It's too, too hard. Paul says, transformed by the way you think. I said before that um, if you're a young person with a child, uh, what you really value will be a adult relationship with that child or no thing or no fling is worth the compromise of that. When you see it like that and you know what it is that you value and you understand what it is that you're shooting for, then all of a sudden short-term temptation doesn't become a matter of what you can't do. It becomes a matter of what you actually want, what you really, really want because you've clarified what you value. You see how that works? You have a new way of thinking and it's not what you can't do it's actually what you can do to receive what it is that you really, really want. Because you've clarified what you really, really want. And that new category of thought arranges your behavior. You know when you restore furniture and you've got an old scene and, and, and you're going to repaint it. First thing you have to do is take off the old and then you apply the new. Take off the old and apply the new. Take off the old and apply the new. So here's the deal, right? This is how you get what you really, really want in, in a couple of phrases. You know what the old is? The old is what you want naturally. The new is what you want ultimately. You've got to change the way you think from appetites to values. Your appetites, what you want naturally. Oh, I want this. Oh, I want that. Oh, I want this. Now I've told you to go home and clarify your values. Rather than thinking in terms of appetite, you think in terms of values. There was a guy in the Bible by the name of Esau who, who should have learnt this and sold his birthright for a bowl of pottage. He's the, 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 the archetype in the Bible of this. He didn't know what he valued. And later on, he regretted what he did. And how many people do you see regret what they have done? Oh, what was I thinking? i tell you what you were thinking. You were thinking appetites, not values. That's what you were thinking. 
but I wanted this. It was going to make me feel good now. Yes, your appetites will always fill your belly now. But I've got to tell you, no matter how big a meal you had at lunchtime, you're going to be hungry again tomorrow. Because no matter how much you satisfy an appetite, it's coming back and it's coming back in ferocity. You think, oh, if I just do that, that's, that's going to be good. That's going to satisfy me. And so you go and you satisfy that appetite. And what happens next? The law of diminished return, right? You want more. Uh, that, 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 that was good for then, but that's not good for now. I, I've got to have more of that. And you, you start this downward spiral of living a life that's going from one satisfied appetite to the next satisfied appetite because appetites do not completely and, and finally satisfy. They can't. That's not what they are about. Wisdom plays the long game. When you view sex, marriage, money and power through the value set, through what you want your kids to kind of say at the end of your life, then you'll know what it is that you really want. And when you know what it is that you really want, something weird is going to happen. When you can put it down into a sentence and you know what it is, Paul lets us into something in a moment that's going to blow your mind. Because our Heavenly Father, who have, we have relationship with and who wants for us, not from us. And sometimes we run away from God thinking somehow God's going to take from us or somehow if I follow God, I'm going to have second best. Paul's writing here saying, submit to God, His kindness towards you, His love towards you. He's not some killjoy in the sky. You might say tonight, you might say, well, I'm not a religious person. I don't know about the God thing. I don't know, is he really there? You know, was the whole Jesus thing uh, a reality or not? You know something? Whether or not you believe in God, this actually works. When you can define your values and you know what it is that really, really matters. Look what he says next in verse 2. If you do this, He's putting out here, he's putting it here, he's, he's goading you. He, he's, he's putting a test out. If you do this, if you take off an appetite and put on a value, take off an appetite and put on a value, take off an appetite and put on a value. Appetites, what I want now. Values, what I want ultimately. Values are what I want my friends, my family, my employers, my loved ones to, to be able to get up with complete integrity. Say this was that person. That's, put that on. Then he says this, listen to this. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. Isn't that remarkable? Hey, hey, hey. You know what God's will for your life is? You want to know what the, the, Paul said, this is the fruit of the Spirit. What does fruit of the Spirit mean? It simply means the result of doing this. The result of behaving in a way that God wants you to behave. That's the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, he says, is things like love, joy, a peace. Let me ask you this. What is it that you want? What is it that you really, really want? I almost guarantee you that things like love, that's what you really want. Joy, that's what you really want. Peace, that's what you really here's, here's the bizarre thing. This is this is bizarre. What you really want 
and what God wants for you are the same thing. (laughs) Wow. What God wants for me and what I want for me are the same thing. Is it any wonder he said he gives you the desires of? Right. What does that mean? That means that the values of your heart and God's will for your life are the same thing. What you've never done is clarify what your values are because nobody's ever told you before to go away, sit down, do the exercise, figure out what it is that you want to be remembered for, what it is that really matters, what it is that, that, that you really, really value. And if you start, if you do, you'll end up walking down God's pathway with a renewed mind, presenting your bodies as a sacrifice to God. And guess what? You'll get what you really, really want. What are you doing those stones? You're going to throw them? You're going to hang on to them. <laughs> That's how you get what you really, really want. Let, 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 me, let me go through that. I'm going to read the whole of verse 1 and verse 2 and just summarize it, and then I'm going to pray for you and go. He says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, Right, Because God's great love for us, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Do what God wants you to do. It's your true and proper worship. It's the logical thing to do. It makes sense. Now, you're not going to do that by somehow trying to control your behavior. So do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Don't think upgraded experiences. Don't think appetites. Don't think what you want now. Think what you want later. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, front and centre in my mind is not my appetites. Front and centre in my mind are my values. Then you'll be able to test and approve and know what God's will is because God's will will be the same as your will. What God wants for you will be what you want for you. And He says here, it's good, it's pleasing and it's perfect. (laughs) So, what is it? That you want. What is it that you really, really want? It's more important than upgrades and goes beyond experiences. These things only leave you hungry for more. But when you know what it is that you really, really want, you'll know what it is that God wants for you. And you'll work with the Spirit of God and you'll walk in His pathways. And the testimony of your life will be the satisfaction of your soul. Can we pray together? Let's stand together. So, Father, tonight, I thank you for your love for me. And I thank you that you have an incredible plan and purpose and future for me. Lord God, you didn't put me on the earth here, Lord, to live a second-rate life. You didn't put me on the earth here, Lord, just to get conformed to the upgrades and experiences of this world. To be defined by consumerism. To be defined by greed. To be be defined by self-centeredness. You put me on this earth to transform it as a result of the transformation in me.
you put me on this earth to be a redemptive force like everybody in this room. And Lord, we want to be that redemptive force. Those times where we've been influence of change in the life of others, it's just made us feel so magnificent. It's just made us feel like we matter, like, like, we're, like, like we're important. And Father God, I pray that as this world system works against us, as Satan um, comes and, uh, and cooperates with the system of this age and, and tries to conform us back into this small little upgrade and experience mindset that, Father, we'd be able to bust out of that and become the redemptive forces of nature that you have intended us to be. Men and women of clarity of values. And from that, a surety of purpose. In Jesus' name. Why our heads are bowed and why our eyes are closed. We're just in a moment of reflection. I know tonight that there is an incredible future for you. If you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you can go beyond just what is in the immediate frustration of your life and take the long-range view of the values that will characterize your journey, then you're going to have such an influence and such a legacy. You will lead the life. You will leave the life that God has intended you to leave. And I, I don't know everybody in the room, obviously, and I don't know what, what you're struggling with here tonight, but I, I know that there are people in this room tonight who are struggling with appetites. And I know there are people in this room tonight, and, and, and you've actually thought if I could just satisfy that appetite, that would give me satisfaction. And you need to know that there's not one human being in the history of mankind that has ever satisfied an appetite, has ever taken an apple off a tree and eaten it and, and somehow been better for the experience. It's a lie, and it's a lie to you, and you know now it's a lie. And I, I, I want to pray for you. Just while your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, because this is a moment of redemption for you. This is a moment of transformation for you. This, this, is, this is like a saving moment. And maybe you need to listen to the message over again to make sure that you, you can apply it correctly into your life. But you, you know who I'm talking to tonight. And just where heads are bent, eyes are closed, I, I just feel to pray for you. Because I, I just sense God's heart and God's love. He's not condemning. He's not angry. He's not cranky. God loves you. And he wants to see you inherit all that he has for you in Jesus' name. Why heads have been eyes are closed? That's you. Just, just give me a little wave. I'm going to pray for you. You know, you know who you are. God bless you. God bless you. Yeah. Father, I just pray that you come, not just to, to those individuals, but to each person here tonight, and you bring about the transformation of thinking, the transformation of lifestyle, the transformation of belief that will see all of us end up right where you want us and where we want to be in Jesus' name. Amen. To musicians,